Why isn't she? Okay, she's recording. We're good. You're giggling go ready, that's a good sign. Are you ready to listen to two homosexuals swear? <laughs> Fifty-five whole minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they better be. In the world of floral design, there are so many wholesome, educational, truly enriching podcasts. This is absolutely not that podcast. I'm sorry you've tuned into the wrong place today. What have I turned up to that? You have turned up to two homosexuals swearing for the next 45 to one hour. Flowers after hours, the only place to be truly female, truly yourself, truly elegant, and to really just (laughs) tell it how it is. Unclip your bra, take a seat and start listening. Turn the volume up, put a sherry in your hand, we're on. My bra was on the bonfire before we started recording this. Good morning, Matthew Landers. How are you, my Good friend? Good afternoon, Mr. Massey. I am very well, thank you. How are you this week? What is good in I'm your loins? Good this week. So this week has been a very busy week. I've been shooting a big sexy project that I can't talk too much about mm. at the minute. Um, so I have been, for the first time in quite a while, like a quote-unquote actual florist this oh, week. Oh, you've had to actually you know, work. actually work, actually be on my feet. And one thing I can tell you is that this post-COVID body is not ready for 10 days standing up at the workbench anymore. It's not ready for it. Um, It's not ready for it. She wasn't built for it. She wasn't ready for it. It wasn't. wasn't. It's not what she does. Mm -mm. Um, And yeah, but it's been good. So I've spent the past three days in my studio shooting, making, being being an actual florist. So yeah, it's been good. How has your week been? Um, It's good, girl. Like, it's pretty non-eventful mm. here. We're moving into, like, school holiday period here. So, that's typically mm-hmm. one of our quieter periods. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's actually been pretty chill, which is which is quite nice, actually. You know when you just get those weeks that are really steady and easy to manage? And, like, on one side of your mind, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going broke. I'm going to have to sell my house. And then on the other side, you're just like, I needed this week so badly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's so much you can get done in those weeks when, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's that initial, oh, my God, someone's turned what's the tap on. on. We're not yeah. gonna, what's going on? What's happening? And then you're actually like, oh, this is what it feels like to have a life. And this is what it feels like to finish at 5.30 yeah. and not so be working foreign. at 7 or yeah. 8. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very welcome. It's very welcome. Well, what are we talking about today? What's our topic? Well, what you know, girl, I, I really have wanted to talk about this because I am quite passionate, as I know you are, about that kind of really cloudy, grey area between what is art-based... The UK, based, <laughs> the, the UK versus... <laughs> The the EU. I mean, I know that's cloudy right now, girl. Um, (laughs) But you know that really art-based floral design versus floristry slash commercial floristry? Like, I think we should really dive into that. Like, balls deep. Let's Nothing's off the table. I think nothing's taboo. We should just speak really honestly and open about it. You're talking about most of my teenage years where I spent kind of trying to walk this tightrope that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. between these kind of two things, between art and design. And I think Mm -hmm. this is a super juicy topic. So let's dive in. Can I just say, Mm -hmm. I'll cut this out, we are so professional at this. Do you not think? Like that whole intro was just like beautiful. Love, I'm sitting here in almost sodden underwear, drinking a sparkling (laughs) water. 
on Easter Saturday smoking a cigarette in my office. This is professional <laughs> floristry. <laughs> was, was that just not like dead smooth and lovely? It was, really it hit was, our stride in this. I haven't know, been good. that smooth since I was about six weeks old, love. So... I guess what we're kind of talking about today is that kind of dusky, misty, grey area known as the United Kingdom um, between kind of the floral designs that we can see perpetuated in other countries or by other designers that we either feel are maybe either too technical, as in like they will take a crazy amount of time or a crazy amount of materials, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're just crazy full stop. And the type of floral design, which probably you and me and all our listeners see going out of their shops or their studios day after day, week after week. Now, Mm -hmm. what are your kind of thoughts on this? Where did you kind of, where do you land on this? Or where did you land like when you were an up and Coming shaven youngster. <laughs> well, you know, I, like you, grew up in that world of, like, competitions. There was, you know, interflora competitions and various different other groups and societies and all that sort of stuff. And you go into that real technical world of floristry where it's so focused on principles and elements of design. And you spend so much time creating designs that are so technically perfect. But if you were to put a price tag on that, on how many hours, days, weeks or months it took you to create it and try to sell it in your shop, it would sit there for the next 15 years. So I Mm. think, you know, we all grew up as that young florist reading like Gregor Lersch, Principles and Elements of Design books and things like that and looking at those designs which take hours and hours to create and it's like whilst it's incredible learning and it's such valuable learning when it comes to floral design you then see this new generation of florists that come in and they kind of skip all of that intimate learning of principles elements and certain skills and it's not to undermine them as a florist but it's like how is it that we have that difference between what we determine at competition level as floral design or floristry. But we all know that even the best designers in the world, if they have a retail shop, the stuff that they're making in their books is not what is going out in courier vans every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that is such an interesting paradigm of this industry. I think what it comes down to fundamentally is back when we were young sexy teenagers of age, of course, there was very much a certain type of floral designer that was put on the pedestal. And I think what it comes down to is what are we putting on the pedestal as leading floral design? And what we're talking about today isn't necessarily one person or, although it could be, one person or, you know, a particular group of people or a particular, I don't know, like, um, cultural influence. We can talk about this because... You know, nothing's off the table. And when you think about over the last 20 years, there has Mm. been no more than a 100 floral designers that you would classify as world-leading in terms of the amount of visibility they've had within our industry. 
winning well, two of them are right here on this podcast. <laughs> well, but you know, there is, there is, it's like Olympics, you know, like you have those mm-hmm. Olympians that are constantly in the Olympics every sort of four years because they're at the top of their game. And it comes down to the same thing within floristry. Every competition, mm. you're like, oh, will I see such and such? Oh, wow, it's someone new from that country. It's someone new from that mm-hmm. state, whatever it mm-hmm. is. But you have mm-hmm. those florists that tend to go, you know what, well, I'm really up for it. I'm really up for, you know, being at the head of the pack. But I also know plenty of incredibly talented and competent florists that have just never, ever once done a competition or been visible at that level. Mm. And it comes down, I guess, to maybe it's a bit of a cultural and like um, time related shift, if that makes sense. Because when we were teenagers, when we were starting out, like the pinnacle, the best florists that were out there were those that were doing competitions or those that had done competitions, you know, winners of the Europa Cup or the World Cup. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I met David Denyer, who won the World Cup. I think, was it in In Melbourne? Australia. Like in Australia, yeah, like 19, I don't know, 98 or 2002. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that kind of period. And I remember the first time I met him at a demonstration in, um, it was at the Spring Florist event in uh, Birmingham. And I was like, I felt like I was was in the presence of royalty. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? I was like, this guy is number one in the world. Like, this is insane. He's so, so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the person to look up to, and it very much Absolutely. still is the person to look up to. But I think with the with the way the world has changed over the past 20 years, you know, with the intervention of social media, with the fact that anyone can be a broadcaster or a video or TV presenter, you know, right from their phone, it's taken the cultural power, I would say, very much away from from those kind of industry structures such as competitions or being, you know, nominated by your association or whatever it might be. Or going through processes, like you've gone and you've won, you know, five mm -hmm. or six, seven heats of something to get through to the national level. Yeah, like nowadays, like when I think back to like when I was doing my my first Chelsea, there were two heats I had to yeah. get through before I got to mm-hmm. Chelsea. And now I think back to like the impact of those first Chelsea's, but for me, were like incredible. But now I can have just as much impact by posting one picture on my Instagram in 100%. a second. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the world has changed. The world has become more democratic. You know, everyone is more interconnected. We can see influences from all over the country and all over the world world, you know, at the touch of our fingertips. But at the very same time, it has changed what we put on that pedestal. I think that an example of that for people like us who have done, and there are many florists out there that this will resonate with, because for people like us that have gone through, you know, the heats and the, uh, you know, getting to a state or a regional competition and then getting to a national, potentially international competition, and all that hard work, time, effort and labour of love that it is. To Mm -hmm. get to that place, whether you win or lose, you've still gotten to that place. And you and I both know that we can now click on YouTube, we can click on Instagram, we can click on many forms of social media. We can watch some woeful excuse for a florist with zero skills, (laughs) completely incompetent florist who has Mm -hmm. some incredible charisma that actually can sell themselves doing dreadful floristry. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where people of our era as such can get 
hung up on it because we look at it and we go, but that's not good floristry. And what you're actually doing is you've got, you know, a thousand people that have commented on this going, it's beautiful. It's like, it's fucking horrible. Mm. And I think that is such an interesting shift in power. That's what it is. Because back in the day when we were coming up as teenagers, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, teenagers, (laughs) I wish, 10, 15 years ago. I haven't been a teenager for nearly 20 years, but yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, when I was a teenager, you know, six, seven (laughs) months ago. Um... Um, I think it was very much like the, the type of floral design that was put on the pedestal was what I would call like very, very artistic. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. was it necessarily floral design? I don't know. Like maybe technically some of the things could be used and technically some of the things could be, um, you know, implemented in the way they were, they were intended. Like mm. a bridal bouquet could be carried or a table design could be sat at, you know, for people to kind of, you know, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think what it comes down to is most of that work was incredibly overthought, yep. incredibly artistic. Mm-hmm. It you know took a huge amount of resources or a huge amount of time. And whilst we are not diminishing that in any way, shape, or no. form, like as an artistic expression, Incredible. it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Can you sell it in the average shop? Could you sell it in your country's most expensive city? Probably not. It's also not could you sell it. Like I have seen some of the most breathtaking floral designs, bridal bouquets, whatever you want to call them. I want you to list for me a bride that wants to carry that. I don't know mm. her. I've never met her. Like I am not her. I'm not her. But I look at some, I have seen some incredible bridal bouquets that would win a competition hands down. Mm. And mm-hmm. then you think it's exquisite, but if you put that on social media, what bride is going to put her hand up to carry a tatami basket that drags along the ground for six metres behind her? Like Never. 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 It's never going to be able to sell. And can I just say, like, a real confession from my point of view is I spent a lot of my time as a teenager thinking that that level of work uh-huh. was commercial. Me too. And thinking that, okay, for me to be a star florist, for me to be, you know, top of my game, I not only need to be able to make that, but that's what my clients will want. And 100%. if I can make that, then I'm off to the races, hon. You'll yeah. find me in the Versace penthouse. Like, that's totally. where you'll see me. I think about those sorts of things as, like... You know, you have fashion houses that do haute couture shows with things that are worth hundreds of thousands of euros that no one will ever wear, or maybe one or two people will have a haute couture piece. It's simply mm-hmm. just, just just showing the power and the skills of the designer and the fashion house. But that's not the shit that's on the stores as ready to wear and handbags and things that are ready to go. You don't see it in their stores. So I think it's important as well, can floral designers distinguish that being like, these are my capabilities, these are my skills. Yeah, it's exquisite, but it's not what I sell. No, absolutely. And there is a real, real difference there because for the longest time, that's what I believed. I believed that if someone would make this incredible tatami six meter long bridal mm-hmm, bouquet, mm-hmm. that that would automatically like sell, you know, for a super huge price. And that would be, she's going to be know, doing like, one every pinnacle. Friday afternoon. Yeah. Every Absolutely. Friday yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's not the case. And I think what it is, is your example of hokature and how that can work within the selling environment or like the hierarchy of sales, mm-hmm. I think is like a really, really valid point because a lot of houses that do hokature are 
they use it as marketing. They use yeah. it very much as an expression of this is our most idealistic, incredible expression of our technique. Look at our skill. Look at our resources. Look at what we can create. And yeah, I'm sure they do want it. This is how much it is. Absolutely. You know, a jacket, 80,000 euro, you know, a dress, 150,000 euro. Mm-hmm. And I'm sh- I've watched a really great documentary on the Dior Hocature show. You know, the first one with uh, Brad Simmons. Yeah. Incredible. When he took over, like, I think it was in like 2012, maybe 2013. Yeah. Um, when he did like the big flower walls yeah. and all that kind of stuff, like all that divinity. Um, and I remember watching that documentary and like they do have Hocature clients and they spend mm-hmm. a fortune. A fortune. They will send, you know, two or three seamstresses, you know, over to New York to fit someone for a jacket that's going to cost, you know, 120,000 euro or something. But that client is 0.0.01% of their business. Mm -hmm. And the majority of what they will actually sell, the majority of what their, their commercial expression is, is shoes and handbags and t-shirts and jeans. But then I look That's at that makes from the money. our perspective, right? If I, like, I look at my retail business and how successful it is and the fact that I can shoot a whole campaign. I shot Mother's Day this week and I spent probably six hours, in, including the two hours I spent with the photographer, shooting me a campaign that's going to net me hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could have mm-hmm. spent six hours creating one bridal bouquet that whilst it might have been exquisite, might have got a thousand likes or a hundred comments or something on Instagram, mm-hmm. but I'm never mm-hmm. going to sell the shit. So which which one do I focus my energy, time and resources in if I want to be a successful business person? Absolutely. And I think there is a real validity for both of the expressions that we're discussing. Mm -hmm. The truly artistic, the truly, um, you know, fine art element of floral design and the real, you know, commercial everyday design element Mm -hmm. of floral design. And uh, when I was around, I think it was when I was around 22, 23, when I was just kind of finishing up my kind of, you know, in the middle of my competitions and coming towards the end of when I finished them. And I remember starting to think about, oh, like there is a real difference here between the type of things that I would see in trade magazines and the type of things that I would see being sold in beautiful big flower shops. And I kind of thought it's valid to have both of these things as long as you're incredibly clear on what you're doing and the way you're going about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with creating a piece of design that is, or, you know, a floral composition that Mm -hmm. is, you know, super couture and has a ton of resources, a ton of hours, a ton of, you know, expertise in, as long as you can use it in some way. Now, if that's going to be as a piece of fine art that you're putting in an art gallery that Mm -hmm. then you can sell, or Mm -hmm. if it's a piece for, you know, your monograph, or if it's whatever it will be, as long as there is a Real, a real validity to that expression, then I think you're absolutely fine. Yes. But the thing is with that analogy as well is you have to think a piece of fine art can hang in a gallery for 20 years before it's sold, right? So are you willing mm-hmm. to wait for that client to come in or would you rather sell hot dogs out the front of the art gallery? Because you're going <gasps> to sell one to every fifth person that walks past. Being well, mine, You know how I feel about a hot dog. I know you love a hot dog, mustard and mm-hmm. ketchup. But the thing is, it comes back down to your ideal client because the person that's going to walk in and buy that piece of art that's been hanging on a wall for 20 years has not bought a hot dog on the way into that art gallery. It's too mm-hmm 
different clients. So mm-hmm. who are you targeting? It's about really understanding and identifying where you want to be in this industry because there is a place for everyone and it has validity on both sides. It's just about that understanding, which I think both you and I didn't have when we were coming Mm. into the industry because we looked at these designs in magazines and things like that and thought this is what we need to be doing in order to be visible and to be seen, to be be accepted as a floral designer. This is what we need to showcase. Absolutely. I think there is such a... Nowadays, there is such a dividing line between what I would call like the art side or the fine art side of floral design mm-hmm. and between what I would consider true design. Yeah. And like I said, like commercial that you can yep. sell every single day. Mm-hmm. I made the decision when I started my company when I was 27, I made the decision that I definitely wanted to kind of draw that line right down the middle. Yep. So we have a flower studio, Joseph Massey Flowers, where we do weddings, we do events, we sell bouquets. And that is very much design. It's commercial. It's sold to the community that I live in or, you know, the surrounding area area around me and that is floral design and equally on josephmassey.com i have things that are far more artistic installations and sculptures and that's a part of my business too and actually like my my current business structure is around about a third in floral design and a third in fine art and a third in education yeah and that's been something which i was very very clear on when i started my business when i was 27 but if you would have asked me you know, 10 years before that, five years before that, I would have been so conflicted about Mm. which had more value. And, you know, let's be really honest. There is a lot of value in the fine art element of floral design. If I hadn't have done all those competitions, all those big artistic pieces, Uh I would have never got my first commissions, the red rose dress, and I wouldn't be lecturing in museums and art galleries. And like, I wouldn't be doing the, the sculptures and the structures that I'm doing now. That's right. But... There is a real bloody difference between mm-hmm. that and between selling a million bouquets or doing weddings or doing events. It is a completely different thing. Completely different. And the thing I look at from my business as well, very candidly, is like the stuff that's in our ranges available on the website for just general retail commercial sales. If I mean, whilst it is aesthetically lovely and it's beautifully branded and stuff like that, it's not rocket science floristry. Like, it certainly Mm -hmm. doesn't show my skills as a florist. I know that I'm a hell of a lot more skilled than what you would see on our website in terms of what we sell from the stores. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day... That's what sells. And I look at the volume of orders that we do, which then, of course, makes the brand itself so visible that Mm -hmm. that to me was my pathway, if you like, to success. Because I thought, you know what, this is my calling. I have turned onto a pathway that I didn't think I was ever going to go down, but I'm glad I did because it means that I will be able to sustain the lifestyle that I would like to. And the lifestyle that many of us would like to. Mm. (laughs) And I would like to say that that's a wonderful thing. Floral design, commercial floral design, whether it's, you know, bouquets going out the door, Mm -hmm. whether it's a wedding, whether it's events, whether it's corporate, you know, work or corporate deliveries going out the door every single week, that is just as valid, just as worthy, and just as important, if not more important, to running a successful business. And I think 
This is what I think. I think that you can do both. Yes. I can do both. You and can. I know there are a couple of florists out there that can, or floral designers or artists or whatever you want to call yourself, um, that can do both. You know, yeah. I look at Ellie Lynn, for yes. example. 100%. You know, she does beautiful big artistic sculptures yes. in museums mm-hmm. and temples and all that kind of gorgeousness. Um, and yet has a big, thriving, gorgeous company and cafes and all, and, and you know, a very substantial commercial business. Taiwanese as well. royalty love. Royalty literally, full stop in my book. Literally. Yeah. Like, I will is, worship at your altar. Thank uh, you. Whatever you are selling, baby, I am buying it. <laughs> um, another one I think of who does a really fantastic job of kind of, you know, blurring those boundaries or straddling both horses, as we might say, um, is Daniel Ost. You know, he has flower shops, he does weddings, he does events, you know, out of his, his flower shops and his flower business. Yet he also does beautiful structural installations. But what a great example, because in the last year throughout COVID-19, which side of the business has he been leveraging? Well, it would be the commercial. 100%. I haven't seen one artistic sculpture or anything like that on the Daniel Lost page in the last 12 months. It has been, let's send your flowers throughout Belgium, because that's the shit that is selling for him right now. It's not to say that he's Mm -hmm. not going to go back to doing those (laughs) mind-altering sculptures, but at the end of the day, you know, you've leveraged something within your business. So, it's so valid to go, I'm doing Mm -hmm. both. Because at mm-hmm. one point you can mm-hmm. go, this is better for me right now. I'm in a better position to do this. Whereas right now I need to be doing commercial because that's what's selling and that's what's going to keep my employees in business. And, you know, if my post-COVID body is anything to go by, you can have your bread buttered both sides. Like, you really can have that. You can do the artistic things, you can do installations and sculptures and beautiful craziness, and you can also do the commercial every single day, make your money, sell your bouquets, sell your weddings, sell your events. You can do both. I do it in my business. I, You know, the examples that we mentioned do it very well in their businesses as well. You just have to be... You know what? You know, I don't want to sound like Oprah here because, you know, that's a, it is a thing that people accuse me of quite a lot. Um, you can do both. You just have to be really clear on the intention. And what I sometimes think is when we started out in this industry, you know, when we were teenagers six months ago, there wasn't that clarity for me. There wasn't that clarity. It was all a little bit like, this is what you should be aiming for. And then you'd have to kind of walk down the UK high street and be like, does anyone want my orchid root to Tarmid bridal bouquet for £700? Yeah. And when when no one does, you go, well, who no wants does. 24 stems of um, white roses with some silk ribbon on it for £150? And you've got 300 women standing there going, I'll have it. I'll take your order. <laughs> I know that I have said this in another podcast that we've done together because I hate to see, you know, florists that feel undermined by others and they feel put down by others because they don't feel worthy and they don't feel validated by what they're doing. And I have always thought, and I know I've said this to you before, that I think floristry or floral design, floral art, whatever you want to call it, is the same as dancing. Because whilst you and I might identify as classically trained ballerinas, there are hip-hop artists, there are ballroom dancers, there are tap dancers, there are musical Mm -hmm. theatre chorus line dancers. There are so many genres of dance within the broad spectrum 
of dance sport as such. And the one thing that they all share in common is that they would refer to themselves as a dancer. So, when I refer to myself as a florist, I can be from whatever niche you want to think about. Because whilst I would definitely myself identify as a classically trained florist, you might have some freestyle hip-hop dancer which you would look at and go, okay, so it's somebody that's never actually done any professional learning in floristry. They just either have a natural knack for beautiful aesthetics in colour, um, a really great eye for form and texture, and next thing, they are doing things for Kardashians. They're, you know, like they're doing, you know, like things for big, big visibility sort of like clients, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't undermine them. And if they want to call themselves a florist, will you call yourself a florist, love? Because we all just have different disciplines within floristry. And dancing is the only thing I can think of that really kind of gives you that analogy of like, okay, well, a a ballet dancer wouldn't look at a hip-hop dancer and put them down. And a ballerina would also identify, well, I can't dance the same fluidity as a hip-hop dancer because I haven't either had that training or I'm just, it simply doesn't resonate with me. So, when I'm a florist and I look at other floristry that's not for me and Mm -hmm. it happens as it would to everyone, Mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't make me want to become a keyboard warrior going, this isn't floristry, you've never done your cert three, you've never done your level two, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, And Mm -hmm. when I see that sort of behaviour, I think, who the do you think you are? Because that only says something about you, the person behind the keyboard, not the person that's trying their bloody hardest to do their best in their genre, on their pathway, in their lane. What gives us the right to interrupt? That is so true. And I think at the end of the day, here's a little secret like for everyone listening, people who are very good at what they do, you know, whether they are consider themselves to be a top florist or anything of that nature... They don't, we don't, we don't slag off other people. No. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, if you're good at what you do, you're, there's a level of professionalness or professionalism but there, the thing, I want to, I want to, I want to add something to that as well, because I would definitely classify us as industry leaders in our own right in certain ways. The types of floral design and floristry that resonates with us is mm. going to be different to a member of the public is going Mm. to be different to people that in other genres of floristry. So, we also don't go looking for types of floral design that doesn't actually sit well with us. Whereas I feel like, judging by some of the comments I've seen, some of the hurtful, nasty things I've seen other florists write to their peers, which I think is so unacceptable... I put it to them that they've actually gone looking for fault. They've gone looking for floral design that doesn't actually resonate with them. And it's like, well, baby, it's fine because it doesn't resonate with you and you're not their f***ing customer. No, girl. The world is such a big place. Yeah. The world is such a big place. Like, I think that we... I was just talking about this the other day with someone... Who was I talking... Oh, um, my photographer, who we were working with over the past couple of days. Mm -hmm. She was saying, like, oh, you know, who do you... You know, in the area, who's your competition? Da-da-da-da. And I was like, well, no one really, because... 
I'm fucking brilliant, yeah. but also because like everyone has different tastes and yep. beauty looks different to everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone's looking to book me for a wedding or looking to send some flowers or, you know, whatever it might be, that will look very, very different to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I really think that the world is big enough for a million billion types of beauty and for a million different customers and for a million um, designers or artists to have successful businesses. Like we all, we should all be doing our own thing, and the real like competition is all in your head, really. Yes, I agree. And the thing I often think about is that there, I have walked past people in the street wearing very, very, very obvious counterfeit luxury goods. Let, what are you saying about me? Let, let's just say I have walked past a few. Have you got a problem with me? That didn't say Louis Vuitton. They might have said Louis Wanton, or they might have said something else. But it certainly wasn't Louis Vuitton, and it certainly wasn't the same print. But that doesn't mean that I have to openly go up to them, being like, you know what, bitch? I can see you're wearing fake Louis Vuitton because at the end of the day, she's the one carrying it, and she believes. Let her go. Let, Let it go. go. It's got nothing it go. to do with you. And that's what I think. I think, Christ, just if you've got something to say that's nasty, go outside, take a deep breath be grateful to be alive and let it go. Absolutely. Life's too short. Too short. Too short. Too short. I'm not up too for short. it. No. So, going back to what you were saying just a second ago about how, you know, the world is a big place. There's so many different forms of art and design in there. One thing that I saw on the gram this week is I saw one of my favourite um, designers, artists, floral creatives that I've ever seen. Um, Hattie Malloy, based in Melbourne. You know, I think I've talked about my love of Hattie previously. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw that she was doing um, some kind of like pumpkin kind of installation for a beauty brand. I'm not going to say the name of it because they're not a sponsor yet. (laughs) Um, And she was in like Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane or whatever, like stacking pumpkins, you know, all over the place and doing like cool, like pumpkin sculptures, I guess that Mm -hmm. you could call them. Um, And I looked at that and I was like, oh my gosh. Now, Hattie Malloy is someone who you might not term, I would imagine, as a classically trained competition, mm-hmm. you know, experienced floral designer. Yep. She might be more of like a hip hop dancer or, okay. you know, someone yep. that's got a fresh individual mm-hmm. take on the materials that she's totally. using. You know, and obviously this is just my opinion from what I see from the outside, but there we are. Um, and yet she is working with big, big brands mm-hmm. doing cool, innovative installations Mm -hmm. is stacking a load of great pumpkins floral design is it you know the best quote-unquote floristry i'll leave that up for everyone else to decide but let me tell you she's getting paid she's working with big big brands yeah i mean i can i can think of you know and i'm more than happy to say like i look at someone like jeff latham and i Mm. he is absolutely one million percent not some classically trained florist like we would identify but he's Mm -hmm. done some bloody stunning work over the years and really Mm -hmm. all it is is just floral visual merchandising absolutely and it's stunning it's stunning stun my wah what i would probably say is that what it comes down to really is that all of us are floral creatives yes do you know what I mean? We're all being creative with botanical material or botanical Absolutely. creatives, yep. if you want. Yep. How you take that power 
And it is a power, I believe. Mm-hmm. How you take that power and what you turn it into is up to you. Whether you want to be a artist with, you know, things in art galleries, doing lectures or installations. For example, what I just saw Wona Bay doing mm-hmm. in, you know, the art gallery. Beautiful, beautiful with structure it. and it's so nice. Or whether you are selling beautiful bunches from a flower truck that drives around your town. It is all an expression of what we do and nothing is better than anybody else. I totally agree, love. And it's just, people just need to get a grip in terms of let other people do what they're doing because the more you focus on the outside, the less time you've got for your own design, the less time you've got for your own business, the less time you've got for yourself. You know, I had this discussion with you recently. I've got a new store opening next week and I had someone say to me, oh, what do you think about, what do you think the other florists close by would say? And I thought, Mm -hmm. God, to be honest, I, I hadn't even thought about it because I didn't see myself as an incoming threat because we're all doing our own things. And they were, this person and said, oh, well, I think they see you as an incoming threat. So I went and saw all the local florists and was like, don't tell me you think I'm a threat, do you? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. And I thought, mm-hmm. And I thought, this is so stupid. <laughs> so, so stupid. But didn't you share them on your stories? I I'm did. sure you, I you were like, did. look at these great other florists yes. in Bunbury. Because the thing is, it's just like, I know that there, and here's a great example. I know that there would be people that follow me on Instagram that would live in that local area that don't always want to spend 200 bucks on a bunch of flowers. So mm-hmm. give the visibility to where they can go somewhere else in the local area to spend 50 bucks on a bunch of flowers when they need them. Like, why wouldn't mm-hmm. I do that? It seems like common sense to me. It's all about staying in your own lane. And this is incredibly rich because when I was younger, you know, this might surprise a lot of our listeners to know that I was a gobby little um, and was <laughs> never short of an opinion. Um, uh, but as <laughs> we were true. all, we were all in Singapore, love. We were all in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave we'll just leave that at that. What happens in Singapore stays in Singapore. Mm-hmm. As do some people's careers. Mm-hmm. Um what I would say to that is that realistically what it comes down to is the fact that as you get a little older and as you get a few more years under your belt, you start to realize that the only thing that matters is your own story, what you're doing with your own time, what you're investing in, you know, how relevant it is to those around you and your community. Everything else is just rubbish. And that no one that is undermining you or saying something negative about you, they're not telling your story. They're actually telling their own story by putting their two cents worth into your story. So mm. it's more about like, just don't listen to it. Like, And it's hard. It is hard. We've all been on that end before of negativity and you do, you can't not take it personally. Anyone that says they don't take it personally is full of You absolutely mm. take it personally. It's more about how you use the term acceptance and you have to accept Mm. that it's actually really not about you. It's about an insecurity that someone else has and they've just taken it out on you. Do you want a little gossipy story here for you? Do. When I was 21, 
mm-hmm. I think, 21, I was approached to do my first ever commission. And it was for the Red Rose dress. Yeah. Which, you know, if you don't know what that is, I mean, honestly, I mean, you really haven't lived a true life. Good for honest. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kind of commission that I ever, ever, ever got. And when it came out, it was a little controversial because it was not for the most luxurious of brands. It was for a big supermarket here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sold flowers. And a lot of, there was a lot of resentment in the floral industry at the time against supermarkets for taking what we would call like the quote unquote bunch trade. You know, like bunches of mm-hmm. tulips or bunches of daffodils or bunches of whatever that, you know, a florist would you know, traditionally sell outside the shop or inside the shop or whatever. And I remember, like, I knew it was maybe a little uh, contentious and I knew it wouldn't thrill everybody what I was doing. But at the same time, I kind of thought, well, hopefully what I've done is really artistic and really beautiful. And like, maybe people will appreciate that. Little did I know. And I remember when I was younger, I was um, on a couple of like Facebook forums. Do you remember Mm, Facebook forums? I'm not a part of any Facebook group at all. Like, I don't I do like don't look for me there, sis, because you're not going to find me. I won't. Um, and what <laughs> I won't. And what I'm going <laughs> to. And I remember being in a Facebook forum, and one of my friends texts me like a little message, being like, "You need to check out this forum." And one of my old tutors had started a comment in this big, big forum with like you know a couple of thousand members, being like, "So." what do we think of this then? Everyone's been very quiet on this. And that really fucking hurt me because he was a guy who I had paid for tuition, who I had attended classes, who I thought was like, not a friend per se, but I thought I was friendly with, you know, and Mm -hmm. they were not necessarily leading the charge, but definitely opening up the door Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a lot of criticism and, you know, conversation. The can of worms was sitting there and they used the can opener. Absolutely. And I look back at that, you know, with like a decade's worth of experience after that. And I'm like, wow, you were a 40 plus year old man. Um, I was a 21 year old kid. And what you did was not cool. No. Like that was, that wasn't cool. It's like you really, it's bullying. it's bullying. Yeah. I could like, well, you know, this is not a sub story, but I, I would say the amount of bullying that I had when I was younger within the industry, the amount of intimidation was unreal. Do you know, um, though, I, I, lo- I agree with that. And I, literally put that down to my success today because every time I got bullied by someone within the industry for tall poppy syndrome, because I was 17 winning Mm -hmm. national competitions and things like that. Mm -hmm. I now look at them who have gone bust in business because (laughs) they didn't evolve (laughs) their business. And I'm just like, who's fucking laughing love? You know, I'm not, whilst I'm not laughing at the fact that they went bust, I just look at them and go, well, you didn't see what I saw. I saw, Mm -hmm. what evolution needed to happen within business, social media, and the way forward with floristry. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I made that happen. You equally could have made that happen, but you stuck to something you knew from three decades ago. Absolutely. And I look back now and I think, you know, at the time I was so angry and hurt by that person's actions, but I look back now and I'm like, you know what? It said so much more about you than it did about me. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, Who's booked and busy and who isn't? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, sad. It's sad. Because it is. You've just got to move on. You do. And, the, you know, when you see that sort of behavior, it's like, what 
what did you expect to come from that? That person that posted mm-hmm. that and opened that can of worms, like, what were you looking for in that? Were you looking for your own? Were you looking for someone to come to you and say, oh, that should have been you doing that dress? Were you looking for someone mm-hmm. to come and say, oh, it's not right that they're doing it for a mm-hmm. supermarket? Like, what was the mm-hmm. outcome that you were seeking? Because for me, I look at that as such a great example because I've heard you know, florists bang on about supermarkets selling flowers for years. And I'm like, yeah, but love, they're selling they're selling bunches for $20. They're selling bunches for like $10. That's, like, yep, they're yep. not my customer. And me, if they're your customer, something is really, really wrong with your business model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting what you say. Like when you were talking about that example, you're like, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? The only thing I was looking at last week was my outrageous corporation tax bill. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And I think that in life, whenever things happen, you just have to turn around and be like, how am I going to use this? Mm-hmm. I can completely let it go mm-hmm. or I can use it as fuel to kind of put you in, you know, the right direction and kind 100%. of go from there. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, Matthew, if you are Robin Thicke in 2014 and you're struggling with those blurred lines mm-hmm. between art and design, mm-hmm. would you have any tips or any advice? Absolutely. Because the the clearest way I can think about this is just be bloody clear in what it is that you sell. And you and I are both prime examples that we both have multiple websites, multiple social medias, and they are very clear in what that platform is for, what it sells, what its value is. And it's just no one could misunderstand. Whereas I have definitely seen examples just recently, like in 2021, where I look at someone's, you know, social following or I look at their website and I think, but what is it that you actually sell? You know, and mm. how, how, do, how do you determine what is, you know, one product versus another? The, the lines are so unclear. So that would be my parting advice would just be just be bloody clear in what you sell and there's no reason that you can't try and sell it. If you believe mm. in a product and you really want to sell it, then you will sell it. Because we, at the end of the day, whilst we are just simply carpenters of flowers, we also are salespeople. And we can sell mm-hmm. ice to Eskimos. And that's what we need to think about. We are selling a product. If you passionately believe in something that you're selling, someone will want to buy it. You've just got to make sure that it's very clear what it is that's for sale and that you're talking to the right audience in the right language. I mean, if that is not the golden egg to take away from this particular podcast episode, I don't know what is. I mean, I have, I really have nothing else to add. I am the goose. The egg has been laid. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. That's it. I'm the goose. The egg has been laid. I think that needs to be, like, part of our bonus episode offering, I think. <laughs> I've got nothing else to add. Thank you so much for listening today, Thank guys. She's the goose. Listening. The I'm egg the has goose. been laid. The, the golden goose is off. She's <laughs> off. She's off. She's been. She's laid. She's gone. Yes!
Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. Yay!